Welcome to New Life Lutheran Podcast, where new life in Christ is celebrated, and we explore together how to live the Christian life with excellence. Thanks for listening today. You can find our podcast at nllutheranpodcast.com. You can subscribe on Podbean, Spotify, iTunes, and Google Play Music. If you have any questions for Pastor Eric or would like to suggest topics for our podcast, you can email Pastor Eric at erik.anderson at nllutherans.com. seek for that heart of God and find it in the, in the words of Matthew, the 19th chapter. Then someone came to him and said, Teacher, what good deed must I do to have eternal life? And he said to him, Why do you ask me about what is good? There's only one who is good. If you wish to enter into life, keep the commandments. He said to him, Which ones? And Jesus said, You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not bear false witness. Honor your father And mother. Also, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. The young man said to him, I have kept all these. What do I still lack? Jesus said to him, If you wish to be perfect, go, sell your possessions, and give the money to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come, follow me. When the young man heard this word, he went away grieving, for he had many possessions. Then Jesus said to his disciples, Truly I tell you, It will be hard for a rich person to enter the kingdom of heaven. Again, I tell you, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for someone who is rich to enter the kingdom of God. When the disciples heard this, they were greatly astounded and said, Then who can be saved? But Jesus looked at them and said, For mortals, it is impossible. But for God, all things are possible. The Gospel of the Lord. Well, I'm Pastor Ben. It's my distinct privilege this morning to share God's word with you. But as we dive in, I want to ask you guys a question. If you could sit down and have a a cup of coffee with anyone, past or present, who would it be? Who would you sit down to have a conversation with if you could talk to anyone in the world, past or present? Now, some of you guys, you're big history buffs, and so you're already thinking through all the options here, and you're thinking, hey, George Washington, you know, I love to sit down with our first president and and talk to him about the Revolutionary War and and all the things that it took to lead this nation and begin this nation. Or maybe some of you are thinking, hey, Abraham Lincoln, right? Abraham Lincoln's my guy. I would love to hear his stories and his struggles and all the things that happened in his life. I love to have those conversations, or maybe for you, it's somebody like Martin Luther King Jr., right? You'd love to have a conversation about the struggles he went through to help bring equality to our nation. Or maybe for you, you're more into sports. And so you think back about the, maybe your present heroes or your past heroes, and you think, I would love to have a cup of joe with Walter Payton, Ryan Sandberg, Michael Jordan. I want to hear about their, their best stories. I want to hear about their best games from them face-to-face to talk about all, all the skills that they had to hone over the years, all the challenges that it, that it took them to overcome to get where they got in life. You know, I love to talk to those guys. Or maybe for you, it's a little bit more personal, right? Maybe there's somebody who, who went away a little bit too soon. It was a, a grandparent or a spouse. And if you could just have one more conversation, you would love to sit across the table just one more time 
to hear their stories, to watch their annoying tics that used to bother you so much, and just to hear, I, I love you one last time. Or maybe for you, it's, it's that family member that you never got to have a conversation with. Right? They maybe didn't get as old as you'd like, or maybe they weren't able to communicate like you liked, and so you just want to sit down and have just one conversation, just one time with them. Well, recently this question was asked of people across our nation of all ages. They were asked this question, who would you sit down and have a conversation with if you could have a conversation with anyone past or present? And you know what, shockingly, the number one response was? Jesus. They wanted to sit down with Jesus. Now, this kind of threw me for a loop. I was a little bit shocked, but I guess I shouldn't be. There's a lot of Christians in America, so of course they'd want to talk to Jesus. But even the people outside of the Christian realm, I think there's still a respect for Jesus, right? He's a great teacher, obviously full of wisdom, and so there's obviously something to be gleaned there. And they would love to sit down and talk to him, ask about parenting or finances or their past or present, or maybe what's the turmoil they're going through in their life. But I think ultimately what they would like to ask him is, are you actually who my pastor says you are? Right? Are you actually who the Bible says you are? Are you actually God in the flesh? Did you actually sacrifice yourself for me? Is that actually true? Well, see, those are the type of conversations that I think churches should facilitate. These are the type of conversations that, that I would love to offer you. In fact, that's what we're going to do over the next seven weeks. We're going to create a space where you can ask your questions of Jesus. Now, he's not going to show up and stand next to me. Right? He's not going to answer your questions directly, but he's given us a great tool. He's given us his word, God's word, the Bible. So we can actually go through and, and see recorded history, his conversations that he had with people. And not just his conversations, but the echoes of his truth in the Old Testament and the rest of the New Testament. And so this is what we're going to do. We want to create that space for you because I know you have questions that you would love to ask him. And maybe they've never gotten answered. Maybe a pastor has never answered them for you. Or maybe you've never asked them before. And so this is what I want you to do. I want you to guide the conversation for the next six weeks. And this is how you're going to do it. The connection card in front of you, which I just request that you fill it out with all your personal information. Don't do that this time. I mean, you can do that already, but don't do it again. What I want you to do is on that space in the back, write down the question that you would ask Jesus. What is the one question that you would ask Jesus? Don't put your name on it. It can be completely anonymous. Write down that question. And later in the service, when the offering plate goes by, put your question in the offering plate. Then over the next six weeks, we're going to answer week after week after week one of those questions and answer that question from Christ's perspective, from his words or, or the truth from the Bible so you can get your question answered. Well, today I'm not going to have you raise your hand and just kind of shotgun a question at me because one, that makes me incredibly nervous. And two, I respect you too much to kind of just speak to you off the cuff. I want to put the preparation that you deserve into it. And so today we're actually going to look into a story, a piece of history where a young man asked Jesus a very important question. In fact, it's probably a question that you've wrestled with in your life, a thought you had, a question that you would ask Jesus if you had the chance and his, here is the story. Then someone came to him and said, Teacher, what good deed must I do to have eternal life? 
And so by this point in time in Christ's ministry, he's very, very, very popular. And so crowds upon crowds upon crowds would gather. I mean, we're talking thousands of people surrounding Jesus. They wanted to hear his teaching. They wanted to hear his wisdom. They wanted to see miracles, right? They'd heard the rumors and they wanted to see it firsthand if it was actually true. And so the crowds were gathering and apparently one young man was able to make his way up to the front. Now, I don't know if he camped out all night. He knew where Jesus was going to speak. And so he waited patiently to be in the front. I don't know if he barged his way up to the front. Maybe he was bigger and stronger and just kind of shoved people all the way to get to the front. Or, or maybe he paid his way, right? Like a ticket, a front row ticket to a concert, right? Just paid his way to get up to the front because he wanted to ask Jesus a question. And he got that opportunity. So he said this, what is the good deed that I have to do? What is the one good thing that will buy my ticket into heaven? Now, this question shouldn't really shock us, right? Because we live in a transactional society, right? If you want something, you pay money for something. If you want somebody to love you, you love them, right? We kind of live in this, this space where we expect transactions. If I'm going to get something, I'm going to give you something. And we do this back and forth. This is how we, we exist. And so the young man obviously is bought into this idea. And he says, what is the good thing, Jesus, that I would hand to God so that God would let me step into eternity? So Jesus responds, why do you ask me about what is good? There is only one who is good. So right away, he starts off with this question. Why are you asking me? In fact, this is a question that Jesus asked a lot of people. Another way to say it is, who do you think that I am? What makes you think that I have the authority or, or the wisdom or the knowledge to answer a question that has so much weight behind it? And then he answers it. He says, there's only one who is good. Obviously, the implication is God is good. So God can live in the good place. God is perfect and he can live in the perfect place. And this is not a space where imperfect things get to exist. And so there's only one who is perfect. Now, this should have answered the question, but Jesus could see that this guy wasn't quite getting it. He didn't quite understand. He wasn't wrapping his mind around it. So the conversation continued. If you wish to enter into life, keep the commandments. So Jesus being a, a great teacher wants this young man to understand. He, he wants him to get it. So he says, if you want to get to eternal life, you have to keep all the commandments. Now, of course, the implication is no one can keep all the commandments, right? Everyone has sinned. Everyone falls short. Everyone is just a frail human making mistakes. But still, the young man isn't quite getting it. It's almost comical. So Jesus goes through and he's going to start listing off sins one by one by one by one until that young man says, okay, I get the point, Jesus. I did fall short. I do fall short. And so Jesus begins. He responds to the man. The young man says to him, which ones? And Jesus responds, you shall not murder. So he starts off and he says, hey, we're going to start with a simple one. You shall not murder. And everyone in the crowd that's listening, that's leaning in because they want to know the answer to says, okay, we haven't killed anyone, right? So far, so good. In fact, if we would have killed somebody, we would be in prison already. If we would have killed somebody already, maybe we would have already been punished and killed off for it. But so far, so good, right? Check. We have not killed anybody. So Jesus continues. You shall not commit adultery. Now this is getting a little more personal now. 
And, and some people are starting to squirm because they're thinking, you know, what? I, I did make a mistake. I was in a dark place. I was in a bad space. And I thought this would bring me joy, but it didn't. And, and I, I made that mistake, Jesus, right? I, I made that bad choice. And so Jesus begins to dig deeper and deeper and deeper. And he goes on. You shall not steal. Now people are beginning to kind of justify their behavior now, right? Thinking, well, I, I don't steal. Like I don't chase someone down an alley and I don't point a gun at them and I don't take their wallet. I don't, I don't steal Jesus, but, you know, maybe I charged a little bit more than I should have. Maybe I took advantage of somebody. Or that was that time when I was younger, you know, I was in the, the store and there's that candy bar and I didn't know any better. Or maybe I did, but I thought, hey, I'm just going to put this in my pocket and I walked out. I never told anyone, but my mom found out later when there was chocolate all over my face and she said, what, where'd you get that from? And then I had to go back and apologize and she paid. So yeah, I mean, Jesus, that, you know, I probably stole something, but you can't hold me accountable for that. And he continues. You shall not bear false witness. He's talking about lying here, right? And everyone's thinking, well, everyone lies, but we do it for good reasons, right? My, my wife comes up and she says, how do I look in this dress? Come on, Jesus. I know how to respond. The answer is, you look great, even though she looks horrible, right? We get this. I'm not saying my wife looks horrible. I'm just saying, come on. But Jesus, come on. We, 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 there's times when you have to lie to protect people. And Jesus, there's times when you have to lie to pr- protect ourselves, right? I mean, there's, there's situations, if I would have been honest, it, it, maybe I wouldn't have advanced in my career. Or I would have broken that friendship. I mean, Jesus, there, there's just times when you have to lie. You can't hold us accountable to that. And it gets even worse. Honor your father and mother. Now everyone's just shaking their heads. I mean, come on, Jesus. Every one of us was a teenager at some point in time. And my mom didn't know anything. And my dad didn't know anything. And they told me what to do. And I just got sick of it. And so I, I said what I said, Jesus. I said what I said. I mean, come on. You can't hold me accountable to that. Everyone talks back to their parents when they're 16 years old, Jesus. And it gets even worse. Also, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Come on, Jesus. I'm all about loving my neighbor and being nice to the person who lives next to me. But as myself? I mean, I mean what does that mean even? When I mow my lawn, do I mow their lawn? When I weed my garden, do I weed their garden? When I pay my bills, do I pay their bills? I mean, come on, Jesus. No one lives up to this. And everyone who's listening in the crowd is getting the sense that no one lives up to this. Except for one young man. The young man said to him, I have kept all these. What do I still lack. Now this would be comical if it wasn't so sad. This young man, he's so naive, or maybe he's so arrogant or maybe so prideful. I don't, I don't know what's motivating him, but he says, Hey, Jesus, I have done all of these things, right? I have committed no sin. I always respected my mom and dad. I have never lied. I've never done any of these things, Jesus. So, so what do I still lack? So Jesus knowing the man's heart, knowing the man's life, pokes him right where he needs to be poked so he can understand 
And this is what he says. If you wish to be perfect, go, sell your possessions, and give the money to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. So Jesus talking to this young man says, if you want a transactional relationship with God, here's the transaction that I'm willing to make. You give all your stuff away, and I'll give you eternal life. You give me the temporary joy that you have, the riches that you have, that maybe will last 30, 40, 50, 70, 80, 90 years, maybe at best. You give me that, and I'm going to give you eternity. And the crowd goes quiet because they want to see what's going to happen. Is this rich young man actually going to do something here? Is he going to make this trade? What's he going to do? And then in the midst of that turmoil, Jesus says this as well. Follow me. The two most important words in this whole conversation, Jesus offers this guy an opportunity to find exactly what he wants. He says, follow me. Be my disciple. I will show you the way. The opportunity is out there. The invitation is in this young man's hands. And this is what happens. When the young man heard this word, he went away grieving for he had many possessions. The young man was given the opportunity of a lifetime, but he had taken what was temporary and put it above the eternal. In fact, this reminds me of something that happens in movies sometimes. You all know what the, the genie lamp is, right? Right? You find, you find the lamp that has a genie in it and you do what? You rub it. And the genie pops out and he grants you how many wishes? Three, right? We all know this, right? Three wishes, right? You, you rub the lamp and you get, the genie pops out, you get three wishes. And if you are not a novice, what is the first wish that you make? We all know this. Unlimited wishes, right? Or more wishes. We just keep building upon building upon building. This is exactly the transaction that Jesus is offering this man. Hey, you have riches here. That will last, at best, 90, 100 years. If you give me these, I'm going to give you this. If you give me your temporary, I'll give you the eternal. And the young man walks away. So Jesus uses this now to teach the people who are still left, which are his disciples, and this is what he says. Truly, I tell you, it will be hard for a rich person to enter the kingdom of heaven. You see, what was the primary sin that this young man was dealing with? It was idolatry. Right? He had taken something from this life, he had made an idol out of it, and he put it above God. He took something temporary and he put it above the eternal. And so Jesus says, hey, anyone who takes something that's temporary and puts above the eternal, will have an incredibly difficult time getting to God. In fact, it will be nearly impossible. And this is why those who have resources have a struggle, right? All of us who have things, it, it is a struggle because we, we, we buy things and we love things and we put this temporary stuff on a pedestal, we dust it and we clean it and we maintenance it and we love it. And then unintentionally, we put it above the eternal. Well, the story goes on. Again, I tell you, it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for someone who is rich to enter the kingdom of God. And so 
Jesus begins to continue to drill down in this conversation. He uses this extreme hyperbole. He says, guys, I want you to imagine a camel, right? I don't know how tall a camel is. Tall, right? Maybe 12 feet tall or something like that. Big animal. And I want you to imagine this tiny little needle that your grandma used to sew your jeans back together. It has that tiny little hole where the thread goes. Now I want you to try to jam this camel through here. Now they get the point, obviously, right? This is impossible. But they also understand something else. It doesn't matter the size of your camel. It will not fit through the eye of a needle. It doesn't matter what your camel is. It might be your riches. It might be a relationship. It might be sports or something else that you've prioritized above God. But, but none of those camels will fit through the eye of a needle. And here were the disciples' response. When the disciples heard this, they were greatly astonished. And they said, then who can be saved? Jesus, if, if no one is good, if no one is good enough to make that transaction, then who can be saved? And finally, Jesus got them exactly where he wanted to get them. So he said this, for mortals, it is impossible. But for God, all things are possible. You see, he, he sensed their distress. He saw the sadness on their faith. They, they, they knew this was an issue and they didn't know how to overcome it. And in the midst of their sorrow, Jesus smiles, which is probably pretty unnerving. And he smiles and says, you're finally getting it. For man, this is impossible. But for God, all things are possible. In fact, he knew what was about to happen. He knew that they would see this in a very personal way. They had watched this teacher that they were having a real conversation with. They had watched him go to the cross and he would die. He would die on the cross. They would put him in the grave and they would have no hope. They would give up because it is impossible for someone to come back from the dead. And then the impossible happened. Jesus showed up again, came back to life re-engaged them in conversation and then they got it. God can do whatever he wants. God can do the impossible. So there you are, you're at your, your favorite coffee shop, you're at your favorite restaurant and you, and you walk through the door and you look at your, your favorite booth and there's Jesus. And he waves his arm to get your attention and then once he, he knows that you're looking at him, he Come on over, come on over, sit next to me. And you sit down and you're a little nervous. You don't, you don't know what the conversation is going to be like. And the waiter comes over and, and you both order drinks. You, you get your favorite drink, which if it was me, I would get a, a Red Bull smoothie at the Joyous Java, right? So I, I would get my drink in front of me. Jesus, he ordered a water. And just about the time when we're about to start the conversation, you know what he does. He turns it into a, a very rich, not too dry, not too sweet Merlot, right in front of my face, right? That's what Jesus does. He can do the impossible. And he looks across the table and says, what is the question that you want to ask me? What's weighing on your heart? And you begin to think, if I had one question to ask Jesus, what would it be? And you start thinking about what's been transpiring in your life recently, what's been going on, and you think about your grandpa who just died. And your favorite uncle who passed away too soon. And you think about your mom just got the news that the cancer is terminal. 
You think, Jesus, all my thoughts are about mortality. What's next? And so you verbalize that and you say to him, Jesus, how do I know that I can get to heaven? And he pauses. He grabs his glass of wine. He swirls it, smells it, takes a little sip. And after a short break says, I want you to trust me. I want you to believe in me. I want you to have faith in me. And I want you to follow me. And I will take you where you want to go. 